In the summer of 2016, a mysterious locked book appeared online, promising to reveal the magical secrets held inside if someone could solve the 16 puzzles required to open it. A year later, the book is open, and the adventure that thousands of readers embarked on to unlock it is becoming a book of its own. This is the story of how that adventure came to be. This is the making of the Monarch Papers. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Um, how are you guys doing today? Uh, Good. Glorious. Um, that's great to hear. <laughs> um, so I think so we're excited. we don't really want to, we don't want to start this one, but today we are going to talk about, or at least half of <laughs> fragment four, uh, Siren's Lace. We and can I tell you that originally it was Harpy's Lace? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. And can I tell you that I don't remember why we had to change it, but it was some screw up, it will, I'm sure. It will be because I think the sites were indexing and uh, someone found Siren's Lace <sighs> or Harpy's Lace. And they're like, oh, it must what... be that. And so we're like, nope, not anymore. <laughs> it was no, going to be not. that, but you know it did. Oh, okay. So that's it. So we're talking today about Fragment 4. Um, this was the end of phase one, uh, all having to do with Brandon Lockman and his creation. And we, we definitely are not going to get into all of it today. So we're going to break this into episodes 4A and 4B. And I was just saying to Simon and Johnny that we almost need a mountaineer on here <laughs> to correct us, um, refer us to the wiki and, and forum posts. Johnny and I both tried to go through the forum to look through the old, it's just, it's entirely too much. too much. Um, yeah. So, but I think we'll get started with, uh, we gained another almost hundred readers during this fragment. So we had a little over, I think, oh, right around 200, 200 people playing Nice at this point, which is very exciting for us. Um, and overwhelming. And <laughs> I think we started to panic at this point. Absolutely, we did. Uh, just a smidge. <laughs> so it started with, I, I will just read this part. This is the only part I picked up from the forum, which was, um, this was what the book sent to everyone when they knew Fragment 4 was starting. The hours finally here claims the chiming of the clock. If you wish to find the hidden key, try looking for the lock. Man must scurry for the ah, truth. See what you for did there. <laughs> Very clever. For time is turning fast. Instead of searching in the now, try turning to the past. Dun, 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 dun. And and so began fragment four. <laughs> so and, it never and so yeah, I, somewhere it's still going yeah. on right now. <laughs> so readers went from burrow in the fray to. Using using the newspaper article that talked about Brendan Lockman's death or disappearance in Those Who Didn't Die, suddenly there was a link that led them to forestofdarkeningglass.com. Yep. Yes? Yeah, absolutely, which was the site that uh, Brendan's mother had set up uh, to honor her son. Yep. And That's talk good. about his uh, last days. Had um, Brendan right. actually been referenced before that that puzzle he had been one of the four in in burrow in the fray in fragment two he had been one of the 
the four people whose sto story was different than what history told us. He hadn't died. He had actually disappeared. Yes. Uh, and, and I think as time went on, we, I left, I kind of liked the idea that it was open-ended whether or not Brendan's mom created the site or if it had been a sort of honeypot mm. that Sasha and the Devoted had created to lure curious people to their cause. Yeah, it, it was on from the outside. It looked like uh, Susan Lachman had created it, but we're never quite sure if she did or if it was uh, the Devoted. I think one of the reasons we did that too is people started sort of recording the entire sites. And so if we went in and changed sort of Brendan was born in the fall of something instead of the winter of something, they would say, oh, there's been a change. <laughs> it was this thing. This So that's definitely a clue. And some people were like, no, I think it's a time anomaly. But what we were saying was someone was like, how, how could his mom not remember what season her son was born in? <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh, because it was the devoted. It wasn't. Yeah. His, his <laughs> it was a typing error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strongest yeah. assumption. So, so <laughs> yeah. so before we even get into all of the fragment stuff, I realized that a lot of, there were a lot of our mistakes on this fragment that led to changes in the story. Like um, we, when we were developing the assessment, which were, there were questions for the choose your own adventure. They were the glass report you had to assemble and then follow the questions while we were sort of working out how to make that test work. We had them up live. Um, we just yeah. didn't have a link to them. And so someone found it and said, Oh, this must be where this is all leading to. Yeah. So someone posted, oh, I think time is sort of bleeding through the future and the past and the present. And we're like, absolutely, it is I was, now. I was so pleased that they did that because it only took me two weeks to create that document <laughs> in France. I was That was my French holiday. And uh, I, I spent all that time creating this interactive game that they could play <laughs> using a really lovely little um, piece of software, which is an interactive storytelling um uh, that's correct uh, piece of stuff. i can't remember what it's called and um yeah it's been all that time crafting it and going through line by line of code of yes decision no decision and of course did on a live site stupidly <laughs> <laughs> well and re i remember what the problem was is that all you had to do because it was not a quiz it was a storytelling device that if you viewed source it told you what all of the correct that's answers right, were the right path so that ended up being the problem. And that's why we found a modal survey that's sort of for business. And we ended up using that in a lot of the in the final assessments yeah. um, where there was no, it was secured. You couldn't know what the real answer was. Um, so that was another, you know, a, a lesson learned. <laughs> I mean, there were, there were so many lessons learned in this fragment. There's that. And then I think, you know, I think this is where responsive fiction really came into its own. We we discovered that in the last fragment, I think, or the fragment before, and the idea of it. But this is where we really listened to what the readers thought and wanted. And therefore, that changed big decisions about whether characters were good or bad or whether they would be coming back or not and things like that. Absolutely. I, I think them think, wondering if it was the mother or the devoted, and then their feelings about the devoted led us to the devoted not being a benevolent organization, but being their enemy. <laughs> they had very, the, the, the readers, the players had very, very um, 
strong feelings about the devoted i remember reading some of the things and of course as the person writing some of those emails and communications okay oh they they're, they're talking about me like that we're taking no, them also really, personally <laughs> yeah that's true that we had had a sort of trickster in king rabbit but the devoted were the first enemies they became of, yeah. of the of the mountaineers uh yeah, that's that was that's interesting. So so the point of that site was the the links would change and they all turned went to a site that said, Are you devoted? And then there was the time, three thirty-three PM, wow. which we would eventually learn was when Brandon crossed over into the fray. Um or wherever he went. And um and three th Simon, would you like to talk? Because Simon well, okay, so one step back is that Johnny was working feverishly on all of the like 90% of the fragment stuff that was going to happen at the <laughs> end of fragment for all the puzzling, uh, creating from scratch, Brendan's role-playing game. Uh, and, and Simon was sort of taking point as the devoted and also working on an audio puzzle and gearing up for the assessment. Um, so do you want to talk a little about three thirty-three PM Simon? I mean, so I'll talk about it. I'll talk about how much I hate that time now because <laughs> I I don't. We we decided three thirty three p.m. But we for some reason we decided that was Eastern Standard Time, and I don't live in Eastern Standard Time because that's right. I live in uh, what would have been yeah GMT. Uh, so that would have been eight thirty three p.m. every single evening. I had to make without because we did this without the help of um, technology as such. We didn't automate anything. I was sending out emails actually uh, you know waiting for the clock to tick over and as soon as it got that that's it send this send this send this <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. because if we didn't they felt that they had failed yeah. or that they were wrong and so we couldn't skip a day once oh, we no. were locked into it no and you would think i would have learned my lesson with that but in phase four i was manning the responses from augie and nats the from the mountaineers from 1998 and arbitrarily decided it would update at 4 p.m and 4 a.m <laughs> and so i was up at 358 for two weeks making sure that the the email went through oh, or the update went through so there were sometimes we didn't learn our no, lessons no yeah so the devoted was trying to find people who could walk Brendan Lockman's path because they felt that on the day he disappeared was sort of um, when they would have the best chance at communicating with him. And so they thought that if they followed the path he created for himself and took to leave the forest, this world, uh, he would, that we would be able to reach out and make contact with him. Yes. Yeah, and, Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And also remember the initial kind of ideas, because we knew that this was going, this, this fragment was going to finish around halloween uh, around this time last year um we thought what we wanted to do was have some kind of possession so this this was um a device that we didn't use so we used it later with possessing on the forum because we were originally going to have mm -hmm. the because we had this wonderful thing that you can do in the forums where you can take over people's accounts <laughs> and so we thought we would um possess certain players as brandon that never happened because by then we were so absolutely exhausted. <laughs> yeah, and it also seemed malevolent. Yeah, it was a bit too early to be playing with that, and we hadn't earned the trust of, of players for this. So, oh, these people that's, are hacking my details. Whereas, you know, in a year, a year in, we were like, oh, let's do whatever we want. 
<laughs> and it was and it was the yeah, storm was the, and the no. storm and the silver do everything um, terrible. So yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was it was um, the the idea. The premise was um, follow Brandon's path, follow the clues that he's these these bizarre clues that this this uh, 13 year old kid, yeah, thirteen year old kid mm-hmm. has. Uh, uh, he may have been, I 12, think 12, uh, yeah. but around, yeah. around there. Has left uh, in the past so that you can uh, also open a, potentially a, a get into the fray or, as you say, wherever. Or, yeah, or, or somehow contact him. Because what we would eventually learn is that Sasha had created this entire thing because she was this sort of tragic villain when that she had refused to go with Brandon when he left and ever since then was trying to get back. And this was the thirtieth anniversary. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I want you to know that the name Sasha is completely came from Sasha Fierce. I really I just saw her as Beyonce, and I thought, Do you know what? We're going to call her Sasha. Oh, I'm into that. I'm into that. Yeah. That's my. That's my. I see. Even I learned something about the monarch. Um. So, so the point was that Brendan had created a story for himself, and this was our first hint at the idea of what kind of magic could be created with MAGIQ, which was figuration, which was creating a narrative, creating a story. And by believing the story, filling it with intent and theme and emotion, you could actually create magic by creating a story. And so Brandon had hidden four coins in New York City that he would then create elaborate narratives around. And when he found them, those would sort of be his tokens to catch the subway at the city hall station. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> believe I'm remembering all of this. <laughs> remembering it just now. It's coming back. Yeah, I feel it's like I'm being coerced. Like I've... <laughs> it's happening again. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Oh my God, Fragment 4 is starting. Um, okay, so, so let's talk about, well, here's the funny thing is that it was broken down into four segments, just this fragment was. So four, there were four fragments in fragment four. But then the first part of that in and of itself was four fragments. So four fragments in the first quarter of fragment four, which was, Johnny, would you like to take over for this? This was the, the fountain, to- I believe. Oh, no, it was the fountain. It was. Well, we, I was say, we of, have to backtrack a little map. bit because we have to reveal... Brandon's backpack and everything that went up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds That's of files right. and lines. Oh, yes. That in the file index where they had to sift through it all. That yes. was another huge mistake we made, which was yeah. giving them no context. Yeah. We yeah. thought, oh, work it out. You have to assemble but those I think pieces. That also, that also came about because we were we had new players we felt the new players were gamers and so we had to really we thought the, the, the modus operandi on this was make it as hard as possible so that it can last because otherwise they'll they'll solve this in a day of course we made it too hard we sure did yeah uh yeah yeah we did so they had hundreds of files and had to figure out not only what they were meant to do, but how they were organized, because in their mind, they had done three puzzles that were all just one puzzle. And now suddenly they were having to figure out how to assemble all of these into separate <laughs> yeah. mini puzzles. Yeah, they, they completely they, forgot. I think that's the where backpack. they started was to group 
what they thought clues, you know, kind of clues that looked like they should be clues. Like, for example, the map in, in the role-playing game that was in the backpack. So uh, And strange symbols. Uh, what else did we put in there? Uh, NPC sheets, kites, yeah, plaques. There were the placards. Yeah. yeah. The maps, the plaques from the fountain, um, drawings. Yeah, so not everything was... Uh, related to the RPG, the, the majority of it was RPG based, but there was some stuff that was kind of red herringy and some stuff that was just kind of <laughs> flavor, which was so dopey. And that was another lesson we learned is that if you make it, if you introduce it, they will assume oh, it's yeah. a puzzle. There was no, you could not flavor things for the fun of it because they would try to tear it apart. And then we would, and that was another, thankfully, Tom and Allison could write that ship to say, I don't know. I don't think that means anything. <laughs> oh, bless them. Go bless on then, Johnny. Oh, talk no. us about the RPG. Now. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, I came up with this idea for a role game. I think we, when we initially sat down, when we met Kerry in New York and several months earlier, and we talked about what kind of puzzles would we like to do, I said, do you know what? I've always wanted to write a role-playing game. And we went, ooh, yeah, role-playing games. Yes, go for it. And this was my opportunity to write one. And um, I didn't realize like how intense it would be or how sprawling a story I could come up with because this, this thing was crazy. I mean, it was set in the 80s and 80s had so many great, oh, such a wealth of great, you know, like resource. I threw everything. What's it called? John? Shard City. <laughs> Which is what we do every time we say Shard City. You go, Shard City. Because it's its own 80s theme tune. And it does actually have a... Uh, it actually has a theme song. Yeah, it's a soundtrack, which we really... Oh, yeah. It has a which soundtrack. is so cool. Yeah, it's a soundtrack. Yeah, so the idea was that in the, in the backpack, Brandon's RPG could be uh, reconstituted. And on the role-playing game, he had actually left beacons that, sh- that told you where the first disc would be if you could work out that that related to set, to where it was in New York City, which was Central Park. And that was the crazy thing, is that the characters were also looking for them. Yes. The characters in the role-playing game, as well as, as yes. us, were looking for them. And they had to be, because I couldn't, work, I couldn't work out a way of writing this story that kind of gave you any kind of impetus to go from one beacon to another beacon, apart from finding a puzzle. It's amazing. So Shard City was, in my head, is like set in the far future. It's post-apocalyptic kind of escape from New York kind of idea, which literally was an escape from New York. Uh, it, <laughs> it was like, it was a city no. in a dome and Brandon, you know, the, the character was called Bael, which was B.L., Brandon Lachman. Uh, he was, he Love it. was escaping from this tyrant computer that lived in the big shard. And the shard was actually London's shard pretty much because it towers over everything. But in my shard, I had a massive computer brain called SAT, do you remember? Which was the SAT that he was going through. He was struggling with at school. This is how twisted my brain is. (laughs) And then you didn't actually start off in the shard itself. You started when he kind of washed up on the shore, uh, which was um, a laboratory filtration plant, uh, which is where the first beacon was. So when you went through, when you, you actually were able to walk through the RPG, and in the foyer of the filtration lab was a statue that clearly looked like it was a puzzle and said it had these four plaques 
which were obscured by water in time and you couldn't quite make it out. And this was the first puzzle that the, uh, that the, the players had a crack at, I guess. I don't know how we... Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it was the one that was simplest for them <laughs> because the plaque... I just mean that the plaques were designed and they knew that it belonged to um, some sort of statue yeah. or monument yeah. or fountain. And that was quite... Inten- that was intentional. We had to make it very straightforward to start with. Right. That was a great point. We had tried to create varying, varying difficulties and it all just ended up being very hard. Because, yeah, of course, the idea initially was you would use these four beacons to triangulate a point. We were very clear, I think, at this point that we wanted to do some triangulation puzzles because and use the map of Central Park. And we didn't have... A, I need to point out that at this point, we didn't have an argument about where the second beacon was going to be, although I really did favour the Natural History Museum. But Carey really liked the building next door, which is the Beresford, which... Uh, looks beautiful, but I don't know what it is. Is it just apartment? It's just apartments. Like really it's just a very apartment. old apartment building, but I felt like there was a richer history. And I also thought, oh, I remember my reasoning was that once we nailed down that area, people were going to assume that one corner was going to be the Natural History Museum. I just felt a, a, a young boy in New York City that that may have been one of the anchors. And so I wanted to do something that felt a little... Um, less expected, I yeah. guess. You know, that, of course, overthinking everything. But it actually played very well into the storyline because it allowed me to create one of my favourite characters, Lady Barley Wade. <laughs> I love Lady Barley Wade. A Victorian socialite who every night would nip out and do daring do's and adventures in, the, in Shard City's junk town. I feel very close to her because I tried my hand at illustrating in this. Did. It's not the only thing you illustrated. Yeah. It's not the only thing you illustrated. It's quite, um, it's interesting you say that she's um, Victorian because it, it does kind of feel a bit steampunk, doesn't it? This, the Shard City isn't, it isn't just uh, futuristic. It's futuristic. Yeah, but it's even in weirder well. in that it felt like proto futuristic, like Blade Runner, like, dystopian future from the 80s mm. but everyone was victorian <laughs> you can see how these people's minds work why it got so difficult already we couldn't even decide on an era, era i think look i mean i'm in a young uh, a young mind no. that's been fed so much information so much reference points so that he could have anything in his rpg and he should do it's his imagination yeah. it was his map to get so yeah so in addition to what did we have uh we had uh a, a circus there was a map yeah there was the yeah. map that he had to lay over that area yeah i think that was one of the first things that helped them nail down the zone how many times did you draw that map johnny oh my God. well the first time i drew it it was one single map <laughs> and then it that would seemed quite fun and quite easy and then kerry pointed out that if we started pointing out things on the the beacons people would be able to draw lines on one single map and work it out like by i don't know beacon three so let's split the map up <laughs> and have beacons <laughs> on different bits and move yeah. things around i do want to go on record really that good. by phase four i had become much more lax in my, uh, <laughs> puzzle expectations where it's like can we just we just, just have to get it. through this just, we just, just have get to survive yeah. yeah but at the time i was so fresh and young yeah um so these guys had, let's go back to the puzzle. So the first beacon had these plaques that were obscured and the guys 
I don't know how they've managed to work it out, but, you know, they kind of could pull together through being incredibly clever uh, that these related to four of Verdi's operas. So we had um, Il Trovatore, uh, Aida, Otello, uh, Falstaff was the other one, and there were clues on those plaques that said these are the four uh, operas, which was kind of like a major big arrow point to saying that this was probably going to be a statue of Verdi somewhere mm-hmm. in New York. Verdi Square, I believe. I think that was what it is. Which I do believe it was. Amsterdam and Broadway? I don't know the, the area very well. but I don't, I, I don't know that, that particular but it, statue. Yeah, it was on a point. And the, and the reason for doing that was that it, you know, if you, I don't know how they got to learn, you know, to work it out that you could overlap, overlap it over Central Park. But there was a very specific point of Central Park where it went, oh, it has to be that. Yeah, because there was that weird little, oh, how was that? Oh, but how did they do that? Uh, I believe it was Alison. I've not heard from her from a while. I think because we... Alison, yeah, there were like 150 (sighs) documents and Alison realized we needed to get this show on the road. And without Alison, I think we would have... Yeah, they, they, we would have been going around the, the whole world yeah. looking for statues Johnny, of it. Can you, can you remember what the, because this, this little first mini fragment dealt with doing sort of what we did in the, the Burrow and the Fray fragment, which was finding four locations that intersected in an X in that center area. What were the other three points? So there was the Verdi statue. There was the Verdi statue. Then we had the entrance to the Beresford building on... Central Park side because Berryford is a huge building and has entrances right. opposite the hotel. Uh, the museum, sorry. Sorry, and I banged the thing in it. Uh, from there, we went to one of your favourite places in Central Park, Belvedere Castle. Love it. Is it one of your favourite places in Belvedere Castle? I've just made that up. It absolutely <laughs> is. Oh, I didn't want to. I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. Okay. It is one. I love, I love that folly. It's my favourite. It's your favourite folly. And the last, and the last one I had to do for, was basically draw a line from Beresford and, and do like they do, like you're drawing circles. I go do 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 do. Oh, ladies' pavilion. Oh, ladies' pavilion. I like the sound of that. Oh, maybe I can use Lady Barleywade in ladies' pavilion. But um, oh, that's where she was. Trapped, yeah, that's where she was it? trapped in the, at the end of the story. Yeah. So in the term of the story, what happened was Bayel escaped, and he knew he had to find a traveler's disc. And then he, he spent the first part, the first half of the map, kind of meeting various crazy characters like uh, Flea Green, who had a circus that looked after orphan children, uh, the Raticans, that were literal oh, street yeah. rats, that were kind of like, oh yeah, oh, this is all gonna I love the Raticans. Right. This is the, the RPG. Johnny, do you remember my original drawing for the rat? That gave me one of my hardest moments when I had to say, I love what you did. <laughs> It's not my vision. When she was uh, like a migrant arms dealer, when I made her literally, like, she Wait, like, she had like a she, a little she had a grenade. She launch. was like a little yeah. She was like a little Libyan mouse with a rocket launcher. And I was like, <laughs> I love what you did with this. However, I was going along more of a Peaky Blinders kind of <laughs> Boardwalk Empire kind of look for this, which I don't yeah, think yeah. would have suited. Uh, yeah. That's but hysterical. I will keep. I, I've yeah. got it, and I'm keeping it forever. Yeah, I'll post that. I'll post that that original sketch up on but, the uh, on the, the forum. But then the the fourth clue was your um, another one of your illustrations, yeah. Kerry, oh, was oh, the Mask right. of Roger Rabbit, where where the scroll work from the ladies' pavilion was in the yeah. eye. That was a really clever puzzle and, yeah. because I didn't want to do a puzzle anymore. I think we'd exhausted all our ideas. 
That's right. And it's like, I don't know, go look for this yeah. somewhere. <laughs> just, just give them a visual. Had, it's easy. Let's do that. We had had, it, we'd had enough and we were only 25% <laughs> of the way through this thing. So, <laughs> yeah. That's and they sure. had had enough as and well. That, oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. Because once we had gotten through this part, this little mini fragment, we started stripping things away that we had wanted to do because we realized they are fatigued and they're not even halfway through. Well, let's, and we certainly are. Let's talk about the second yes. beacon and the third that absolutely killed them. <laughs> For sure. But can I say really quickly, because what something we were inspired by, do you remember what I had used to as inspiration for the Mask of Ojerad? Do you remember the book we were reading from uh, Mark Twain? Oh, yes. Oh yes! Oh, the mysterious, and I showed, mysterious stranger. stranger. I highly recommend everyone. Oh so, no! Or oh, go on, go on to YouTube and have a as... have a look at the the claymation creepy video, oh, especially for yeah, especially for this time of year. It's so scary. for sure. It's terrifying. So terrifying. Go on YouTube. I'll leave a link. You should go watch the um, the mysterious stranger from Mark Twain on YouTube. I think the myster- the thing about the mysterious stranger as well is its other title is. The 33, oh, I, I think. I didn't know that. Or maybe I forgot that. I think it's... It's an interesting... Like that. The movie, the little claymation movie is terrifying. The book is really great and fascinating. And it's it was unfinished. It was sort of assembled from his varying drafts post, post-death. post And I don't think he, he didn't put his name to it originally because it was so unlike anything else he'd ever written. It was, and it's brilliant. And this is, of course, this is why we all three are working on things like this, because we're like, oh, and another thing that was great about that weird little story no one ever read. <laughs> it's it's actually um, the 40, uh, number 44 oh. was the actual, not 33. But if we made Brandon 11, then 11 and 33 is 44. I mean, that was the yeah. point all along. There you go. You see. <laughs> there <it works. laughs> it is oh, now. so, okay. So, and the tr- the three-headed troll had trapped Lady Barley Wade at Le- yes. in what was Lady's Pavilion. Oh, That's is that the end? end? Yeah, not the beginning. That was, this is well, no, because I thought with that well, intersection, we had to go to Triple's Bridge. We did Bridge. it, yeah. So what happened was we went from yeah. 30 Square, which was the filtration lab, to the Beresford uh, entrance, which was the... The crazy um, symbol puzzle. Oh, yes. Yeah, where people were given a, a, a description oh, yes. of the, the land they were going through, the city, and they had to work out from circles that there was a kind of map. Oh, clip. I think, yeah, that, that's on me, that one, because, you, because you, the RPG had become all-consuming in writing it. I actually had to take over that puzzle, and just that, that puzzle alone is... Yeah, so again, Tom had to help. Tom was the only puzzle. one who knew how it was. And I'm not, I'm not going to let you take all the blame because yeah, I, mean, I really wanted to do um, I loved uh, the idea of the, the hobo sign language that the Michael Wood has had, like you know, turn of last century. Yeah. I thought that was amazing, this way of communicating. Oh, I suppose it's just a very, very early version of emoticons. But <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, look, hey, let's why not use these okay. in my shot city? No, the brilliant... The brilliant- the brilliant idea was yours. The stupid way it was executed was mine. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The whole sliders thing, and then there was a clue that said, "Oh, hang on, I printed this off because I had to show you." for the left, and right. they had to. I forgot so it was icons. Can you read all of that? Can you see it? Yes. Some some random post. TP seven W and all the rest of it. Yeah. So the idea was you had to cut up the icons and then some of them were things, some of them were emotions and some of them were places. And the clues 
once you'd sorted them into that, it told you the order they had to come in, which was in a piece of prose, that that was the order they came in a piece <laughs> of prose. Oh, oh my. I don't know. <laughs> and, then, and then you had to use the coordinates to move them seven spaces west. In so. theory, it sounded great because you were unlo- literally unlocking a, a, a door to get through it. So it kind of made sense in terms of the yeah. story. Yeah. For sure. And I think if we had had it later, people would have understood the sort of vernacular of the monarch papers and would have understood that. But I also think because, like we said, we dumped, we thought it would be, I, I remember thinking it was fun and funny to dump a hundred documents and <laughs> images on them. Yep. And it would buy us time, but all it did was frustrate everyone, including us. And so... That then it was. I mean, this is why Allison was eventually kidnapped because we had so overused her here, where she essentially was running the monarch papers to help guide people along the path. Yeah. Okay. So so then okay. So then we had the the hobo puzzle, then I, and then and then no, the mask then it of was the third beacon, which was at Bonavard's Keep, which was Belvedere Castle. Oh, and I did need your help right. with this, but this I think this one. It flummoxed the, the players just as much as the other one because we came up with this crazy riddle, which was another triangulation puzzle. Inside a triangulation puzzle. Uh, just just on a tiny a square of Central Park. <laughs> the, the, po- the Which we did as Polaroids, which I have to say right. turned out so well. It was such a cool thing to do. I Those really, cool. really loved they doing do. it. And they do. we, they yeah, really we do. completely faked all of that. We didn't go and find a wall and spray paint it with a riddle. We so seldom if have ever, ever did anything. You shouldn't do that. It's fine. <laughs> I, I do remember this with the graffiti images where, the, where one time I remember Robert said, I find it really interesting that sometime Brandon vacillates between American English and UK English in his, in his spelling. <laughs> <laughs> because things were happening so fast. Because yeah. normally I was sort of where, whereas Simon was sort of the Deirdre police for things that weren't. Yeah. Anglo, weren't UK, weren't Irish. I was sort of the filter for so, Americana. Was that <laughs> so in the, in the graffiti, oh, yeah. there was and something? It's an, I think, an O-U-R. Yeah. O-U-R. And the, the other thing, of course, that related to this is that every time I would do a Brandon <laughs> voicemail, I'd have to do it about nine times because my R's <laughs> weren't R, were not yeah. R enough. And do you know the reason the reason I don't the reason I didn't do sort of like the hard R's is because I think it was an episode of Difficult People, yes. that show on Hulu. And they they basically taken the Mickey out of um, British people doing American accents and said, Oh yeah, it's all that really ridiculous hard R's. I thought, oh no, I mustn't do yeah, hard R's. I'm then like Simon I do full it. Pirate. <laughs> full pirate. <laughs> so sorry, Johnny. Yeah. The, 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 the final puzzle was the Master Watcher. Yeah. If I may, before I go. Yeah. When I, I had my own mini Please meltdown do. when I was doing this puzzle, because I basically studied Google Maps for like ever, and I didn't. I was like, oh, okay, well, it could be here, it could be here, it could be there, it could be there. Oh, let's see if I can work something around the Delacorte Theatre. Let's see if I can work something around um, the. There was a statue of, uh, with with a guy, with a king with his sword, hat, the sword over. Mm-hmm. It started off with a with me finding a spot on the on the Great Lawn. Which I was so pleased with. I was, oh, start at the spot on the Great Lawn. I thought this would be a good pointer. When I wrote it, and then I went back to it, the, the point that said Great Spot had been removed. So someone had taken Spot Remover to Google Maps and taken out the little flag that said, here's the Great Point. 
That's right. The great spot. The great, the great spot. It had just disappeared. And, great lawn. That's and right. I, and I'm kind of like, I can't, well, I can't redo all of this now. We'll just have to leave it. <laughs> and I hope it would... Oh, and that's yeah. after we had given it to them, right? So we had to yeah. help guide them. That was yeah. another. So that's me. That's me blaming yes, my tools. Right, but then, yeah. So then, when when you got through the third beacon, you went uh, in the the RPG into a kind of junk town area, a big junkyard, and then you navigated your way around there, and then you'd find your way up to late the Lady Barley Wade, who was trapped in a trapped in the silent cell that you could only see if you had Odgerad. Odgerad's mask on because I created this kind of freaky oh. robot that had when you took its face off it kind of now when it had its face on it disappeared so it could see into another reality because you do because you do sure, so sure. it could use I mean, that and as then, you do uh, it could, you, you put the mask on <laughs> and then disappeared into the silent cell and then she Lady Barlowade could come out and talk to you but you had to stay in the cell so you could only listen and that's what actually pinpointed it at Lady's Pavilion. So she had the mask. She went back into the cell on the promise that you would rescue her, which is so lovely. So lovely, which of course you would do, even though you were going for the disc. And then when you did the lines, you realised that you were going to Triplet's Bridge. When you created the X marks the spot between the four locations. On Triplet's Bridge, that's why we created the the Big Bad as a three-headed Troll, Treblehead. Did you draw him? Oh, I drew him. I drew him. Yeah, yeah. Treblehead. I did. Oh, you know what? You, I think you drew him, and then we added no, heads. I to think it. we had a reader do. No, Ooh. this was. I tell you, no, one right. of the readers did it because we. This is where we introduced elements where they could because the, the the idea was that the, the RPG was only. Uh, 90% complete yeah. and they had to finish things. So there was a couple of descriptions they had to create. Yeah. Oh, the character yeah, illustrations. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. And I, I think, I think it was Bowser. Oh, we have to find it. We have to find that. The one no, no, no. I, troll, think, I, I think it was Yankee White. It was amazing. Troll. I looked at that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. It was. Um, that was, um, I don't know what we were thinking. I know we keep saying that, but that is absurd. So that now there are like five nested puzzles in this one fragment so far, and we're only on the first part. Not even, not even the fragment. Right. It's like a quarter so of a fragment. this was, the X marks the spot was the triplets bridge, and this was the first time we had planned, this was sort of our idea all along, that we were going to do live events in New York City where I could sort of manage them and leave things. So we knew triplets bridge where, where one of the discs were going to be, and so I bought to to get those wooden nickels created you have to buy like a hundred of them and i'm actually thinking about putting them on the shop because i still have 95 of them that's sort of a commemorative thing so i oh and so we had clues that when you got your traveler's coin there was an isbn number for a book on the back do you remember that and those books would lead you to like a next part of the clue and the first one was in search of schrodinger's schrodinger's cat which uh, had the ISBN number on it. And so I put it on there with a sort of like label maker. And then I went to Triplets Bridge and I was terrified. This was two weeks before the live event was supposed to happen. And I was terrified that people would find all of these coins and, uh, and there wouldn't be anything there. So I hid like six of them, I think, all around the bridge. 
And then I went back twice over the course of those two weeks to check to make sure all of the coins were intact. <laughs> and I had even left one of the coins in a squirrel's sort of acorn yeah. nest at, in a tree base because I felt like worst case scenario, we could guide them to this emergent. Like I could pull them aside and say, go to um, the tree. Yeah. There's a Do you remember, you're going to say the same thing. We, so we came and to, we, had, we were very fortunate. We had the opportunity to no, come you see you in January. I think it was January. So we, and we were able mm -hmm. to go around Central Park yep. and see some of the spots that I've been writing about. But the most, the most exciting bit was the actual bit where you went to that tree and then we pulled out the disc because nobody had found it. <laughs> it was still there. It was, it was amazing. Still there. still there. Are they? But other, other, uh, other mountaineers have been um, and found yes. discs. I, at one point, uh, Oracle said, I'm going to be in the city with my mom. Is there anything I could look out for? And I said, well, if you visited Triplets Bridge, uh, Cole may not have found the only traveler's coin. And he and his mom, as the sun was setting, found it. So, so now we had a live event coming up. And I remember at the time, literally no one who was playing lived in New York City except this one law student who was going to Columbia, I think, Dustin. And I, this was one of the first times this has happened. I privately reached out. He was involved, very involved at that point. I personally reached out to him and said, I'm going to do something where we're going to need someone in the city. Are you available on this day at this time around about, and can you record it live? And he was like, absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. So we had had it all scheduled. And then on the day of, I don't know what happened. He wasn't able to make it. He wasn't able to do it. And he actually stopped playing from that point on. I don't know <laughs> if I, he had felt he had disappointed us so much, but I emailed him a few times and he was like, I think I'm done with the Monarch Papers. <laughs> but uh, so then unexpectedly, Cole volunteered to go and find the coin for the Mountaineers. Um, I feel even weird. Isn't it funny? I feel, everyone knows that like we are all the characters, that I'm Indri and Eves and Cole. And, but it's weird to say that I was Cole and recorded it live. And I think I, I had to leave like a school function. I was looking, I was petrified too, because I had to do this live and it was so nerve wracking of all the things that could go wrong. And, um, and so I had to bolt at like nine 30, take the train up. And then in the meantime, here's another weird little thing that happened is that because I was overly fussy, I mean, I'm always overly fussy, but particularly fussy about phase one was that the ISBN number that I had put on all the coins I originally hidden were 10 digit numbers. But that 10 digit ISBN coding had changed in the late 70s. And so Brendan wouldn't have, he would have used the, tw I think, 12 digit ISBN code. And it was driving me crazy that it didn't make sense historically. Didn't some other magic happen there, didn't it? <laughs> and so I, <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So I pocketed the correct 12 digit. And then I, my plan was I was going to be Cole in first person perspective, find a coin and then walk away. And as I'm walking away to say, I got to get out of here and then I'll look at it. I would put the other coin away and pull out the new coin. So I, I get to central park. I'm recording. It is 
unexpectedly pitch black. I don't know what I, I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be lit and it was just me and a bunch of creepy people sitting on park benches in pitch black darkness. And so I wandered around the park for a little bit, talking to the readers, thinking I'm doing like a Cole voice, thinking I'm acting. Uh, was this on Periscope or was this? I think it. Paris, uh, oh, no, face. Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, Itsuki oh, had Facebook given him Live? access to Facebook Live. Yeah. So he recorded it there. Uh, so yeah. I get to the bridge. I decide that the coin I hit under the bridge would be the most dramatic one. And since I knew where it was, I could fiddle around, take my time and make it sort of suspenseful. So I get to the little knot hole. I find it. I dig it out. And whenever I dig it out, it is Who would have filthy. thought? Filthy. Oh, yeah, that was gross. I forgot to mention as well, there's oh, like dead, dead spiders sp- around. It was a spider's <laughs> nest. And there was a yeah. dead turtle in the creek. That <laughs> It was rotten. So anyway, so I climb up the bridge, petrified, disgusted. I forget to swap the coins out before I first show it. So I show it to the camera. I flip it over. And then in that moment, realize, oh, my God, I meant to swap this out. So I'll look at it again, I get up and walk around, and then I swap it again, thinking, well, it's live. No one would have caught that in that half second. Uh, and <laughs> and one coin was filthy, one was clean, and I'm trying to rub it on the ground as I'm talking, saying, oh, I just got to like get somewhere safe. I'm really nervous as I'm trying to filthy up the new coin. <laughs> and uh, and um, so then I show it, and I say, okay, I'm going to get out of here. And someone had, um, I think Leah had immediately recorded it and then posted, you know, Cole was this person we wanted them to fall in love with and be this hero and this guy who they cared about. And immediately Leah said, I think we have a problem and posted the two (laughs) contrasting images. (laughs) And that was, we ended up chalking it up to, oh, it was like some weird time anomaly, magic again. And what we ended up doing was there was more information we had to give them. So we ended up giving, we hid it behind the other number. So when you put in the other number on Forest of Darkening Glass, it gave you new information. So we rewarded you for Mm -hmm. being clever and for seeing it, even though it was completely accidental. And I was just, I can't tell you, it was like, uh, it was like my first night on like in a, in a show. I was so terrified and nervous. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, yeah, so that was that was how we found the first Traveler's Disc. Um, only the <laughs> only first. The first. Now we're 25% of it the only gets, It only gets easier <laughs> from here, I assure you. And we're all exhausted. Yeah. So now we want to talk about the, the second leg of Fragment 4, which was, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the audio maze. Yeah, the, the, the sound puzzle. Um, um, oh yeah. <laughs> I know. I, 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 again, I'm not sure when we started things, getting things no. easy, but this clearly wasn't it. Um, so I'm trying to, I know that the, the, uh, animals from the minying were our starting points for this puzzle. I just can't quite remember how we got people to the starting point. Almost like clues about saints or churches. That was, those uh, are the end points. 
So the idea is you started at, at one of the four animals from the minying, and then you followed a set of sound instructions, if you reconstruct them, which we'll talk about in a second, and that then led you to one of four churches or near um, names right. of saints or angels. I think it was Margaret's, Gabriel's, and those four then led you to the final destination. They, they, they were all in, within the, the cluster of, of, of Right. So, cluster oh, that's of right. Cloisters. So we spent time finding um, those animals in the city. So I can't remember, but I, that, that's the bit I can't remember is how we I think got. We just there were just riddles because I remember there was the toad in the fountain, and we made a clue about it was yeah. um, like a not a Rothschild, but it was a um, it was some famous family that was that, and so those were clues. Yes. I can't yeah. remember. Please forgive us for not fully recall. <laughs> and and so anyway, the the of, of course to make things. Um, trying to make things simpler probably made things harder because originally uh, I had created these uh, four mazes, four little uh, mazes that you overlaid onto um, a map of Manhattan, the whole of Manhattan. And um, following the clues, you either went left, right or straight ahead, depending on where the tone would come. So the idea was you'd have a single piece of audio and you you would have tones in the left, the right and straight ahead the middle and (laughs) are you with me so far and uh originally it was just going to be music and um it would be the chord of c the chord of g the chord of e the chord of f say for example and you would if you put all those things together you would have um a collection but what i then realized is that oh well how do they know what order they all go in so we come up with this idea of, of um 80s um television programs so we chose um, Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, and there was a big discussion about whether Doctor Who was was. I'm a massive Doctor Who fan, so and and Gary's like, I'm not sure that no, he would have known. I said, no, I went and researched it. I went, no, no, Doctor Who was showing in PBS in New York in the 1980s. He would have watched it. I'm afraid we're allowed it. Uh, well, so we had yep. uh, ba- yes, yeah, Battlestar Galactica, Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who. I can't oh, crikey! And um, two yeah. I other. Don't remember. Um, shows um, and if you put the episodes in the order they were shown they they gave you the left right straight forward they gave you the order in there which the tones would take place us. and so the, I, there I was something we, there were like tandem gas leaks in our houses or something yeah and so you got so you got your your episodes uh, they they mm-hmm. found those episodes quite quickly i think that uh, my the reason I always thought that what we were doing is really straightforward is because I do everything with Wikipedia. I mean, I just, it's just like, oh, I'll Google it and right. Wikipedia in it. And if, if, if it's in Wikipedia, that means it's easy to access. Mm-hmm. People will be able to get this. Um, so the way my mind that works, it's like, oh, no one's going to do that. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, no. Um, but anyway, they got to that and then... Um, there was a bit of a, is this left, is this right, whatever it was. And I think Tom probably mm-hmm. and Alison probably nudge things along quite a little bit until eventually you got to um the four uh saints or angels that took you to the the gothic chapel in yes uh cloisters or one of one of the chapels um in in the cloisters anyway that that uh, took you to the tapestries of the um the, for the hunt of the unicorn and there was this whole uh <laughs> this whole story i think about some there uh, the baron of rochefort it was a sort of addendum of to the minying 
Yes. And it was a, it was all, and if you read that poem, it was essentially the hunt for the unicorn, but retold in a different. Yeah. Uh, they were gifts for right. Ogerad that Ogerad was in a way That's representative right. of the unicorn or the unicorn was representative of Ogerad. I mean, naturally. Yeah. So that's what, of course. So that's what took you to Cloisters. And how did we get the time and dates? Because the, the idea was then that, that, that um, a player would have to go to Cloisters to meet with the insider right. spy well, for the devoted is, reader. We will now take a step back to during this point, reader had reached out to us in a private message on the forum and said the devoted are they've been infiltrated they've been turned they used to be this benevolent organization but something has gone wrong sasha was always sort of a little wacky but now something bigger is going on and they mean to stop you at the end and not let you get the truth about the book or help with they're not going to let you get this fragment they're going to take it away and that will stop you from being able to open the book of briars so a couple of things. There was a private message that she had grabbed sort of the 50 or 100 active users at the time, and the other people were sort of passive. What I didn't realize on the forum is that when you're in a private message, every message is emailed to everyone in the group every single time. So this <laughs> chain was sending an email to a hundred people every time one of those hundred people sent a response, even if it was like question mark, here's an email to everyone. <laughs> so I injury said, I'm going to have to shut this down. We're stopping all emails to the forum. So what, what ended up having to happen was that reader, the devoted had also caught up to us and knew about the cloisters and she was going to be there to, she was going to investigate it for the devoted. But she, if we were there at the appropriate time, she would hand off the information to us instead. And so, but we had to keep it a big secret. So about a dozen or so mountaineers while doing this sort of secret mission to the cloisters, I cannot believe that this was one fragment. <laughs> yeah. They had to create fake posts on the front page of the forum <laughs> saying, oh, we just can't figure this out. I'm stuck. I don't know about you, but I don't, I think we've gone <laughs> as far as we can go. And I do remember too, we couldn't advertise the game right now at that point because <laughs> nothing was happening. It was all <laughs> fake roadblocks on the front page while all, the secret miss mission was going on behind the scenes. So that was how we got the date and time because this was another stupid live event. <laughs> And uh, it just so happened that my friend Chris and his son, who was Hermes on the forum, had actually joined not as ringers, but joined because they were interested and supportive of me. And Hermes had kind of fallen in love with the entire thing. And so I messaged Chris and said, there's a really cool thing that's going on in a this on this Saturday, if you have time, you should take Hermes. His name is not Hermes, but he's a kid, so I'm not using his name. Um, you should take Hermes to do this mission, um, to meet reader. And I think it would be really fun for him. And it would be really fun for our readers to see actual players and not an actor or me pretending to be. And so that's how Hermes and Seacon was the other username, um, went to the cloisters. And because 
in my mind, Hermes sort of looked how I imagined Brandon. There was a line I asked. So Reader was uh, a friend of a friend who we had hired to play this character. She's a, an amazing actress and improv uh, actor here in New York City and a prop maker. She ended up creating the Chrono Compass, the Chrono Compass that Deirdre used in phase, uh, in phase four, phase three. So he, I told Reader to say to Hermes to like blow the Reader's minds to say, you look just like him. Uh, because he he resembled Brandon in my mind, and that was a, a thread that uh, one of those things where I wanted flavor, and people were trying to you know, <laughs> dive into and pull apart. But yeah, that, so that's, uh, go ahead. It was it was so exciting that it was live event. the only thing more terrifying uh, than being in a live event is running a live event <laughs> that you cannot control. Uh, yep. <laughs> and do you remember what happened? They got there, they started filming, they were filming for about oh, 20 seconds and someone came up and said, sorry, you can't film in here. And they had <laughs> to stop recording and then they sort of were like pocket recording and sort yeah. of getting glimpses of, Stealth. it was so nerve wracking. Um, but so then she, she had found another of the traveler's discs hidden among the tapestries and given it to Hermes and Seacon. Is there anything I'm forgetting about that? <laughs> I can't, I'm sure. No, we've covered everything. I'm sure. <laughs> um, that, well, I, that was that was really fun of the live events because the last one in the public library was the one that I, was the most stressful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll testify to that. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrifying, and we had sort we were we won't talk about it now, but we were kind of running it like a control room from New York to London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually running an, another whole Absolutely. event whilst that was going on and watching it. I kept going outside from that event to go, what's happening, what's happening? Yeah. But we'll so, talk about and it. Can, does anyone even remember what Deirdre was up to? I think Deirdre at this point was, dis who? Who? was deciding who? whether or not she was going to stay in New York and finally deciding I'm the end of Fragment 4 was, was Deirdre deciding I'm going to bring back Ackerley Green Publishing. I she decided early though, hadn't she? I think she had been debating. We'd seen that amazing. Um, we'd seen that amazing photo on the site of the bookshop where you could get your own books printed. Oh yeah, that's right. Which looks amazing. Yeah, it's a, I, um, um, Macmillan. Macmillan Books. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing bookstore. Wow. Okay, so that was that was the first half. Oh, and so what they found out after the cloisters was that the devoted knew all along. And had and that reader was on the run at that point, and had um, like sort of like picked up a burner phone to tell us one last message, which was that that um, Sasha knows and it's all gone to hell, and uh, now it's a race against time because God knows what we needed in addition to all of this are ticking clocks. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of ticking clocks, that's a perfect segue to next week on the making of the Monarch Papers. <laughs> so we'll have episode 4B that's all about ticking clocks. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I am completely exhausted. It, it's, it was like being and I back like there. <laughs> I, didn't like I, didn't I loved it. it. I, I want to write part two of my role-playing game. Because it's not oh, over. Right it's still going on in my oh, head. <laughs> I think your role-playing game I I needs a whole... I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid playing Dungeons & Dragons 
and being really bad at it. And I had a dungeon master on my team who was like, would just like give out free stuff. I didn't, we didn't even have to fight. It was like, yeah, yeah, I've been through a book here. Yeah, that looks like a cool sword. Do you want that? Yeah, 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 that's fine. Um, that's a good dungeon master. Oh, I, we may have a question. I'm going to check questions. I've, I've stopped reading them before. Because <laughs> I don't want to be spoiled and think about them. Uh, let's see. Frag, okay. Only, only phase four, three, sorry, fragment four, part yeah, yeah. one I'll, and two I'll, questions. I'll, I'll have to ask it because <laughs> it wouldn't be as fun at a podcast to heck? skim it quietly. <laughs> is that what it is? Um, Revenir says, oh man, lots of questions on this one. In one of the previous episodes, you mentioned comedic solutions didn't get developed until much later on, but Reader mentioned that the devoted were being infiltrated by an outsider group. What kinds of backstories did you have developed for that before comedic solutions? Was there a possibility of the devoted's corruption not playing out in future events, or had you always plotted that breadcrumb to develop into something else? Uh, that is a great question. I think originally we didn't think the devoted and were bad guys. No, not not originally. They were um, supposed to be a sort of shadow side to the mountaineers. They were there were another group working on this, but I think there there was something about the way that they put the pressure on the mounties that made the mounties react in a certain way. And so they said, "Oh, they are bad guys." I mean, okay, so we'll we'll be arrogant. We'll be horrible. That, absolutely, <laughs> that's right. Because I think there was a sort of king rabbit quality in that when they missed a three thirty three or something like that, they yeah. sort of were like, "Are you going to do this?" Like we need, we're running out of time. Yeah, which frustrated the mountaineers, and and to the devoted were always they were like you said the dark side of the mounties. They were a bit of a cult in that they worshipped the the concept of Brandon and and his leaving in a sort of messiah kind of way which was off-putting yeah and i think that's because of um i can't remember at what point revealed that sasha was the de was the devoted but that's obviously because she lost her uh, best friend and so yeah. that kind of turned her and regretted into, it all her life yeah and and so she's been happy she's been living with that, that that entire time right well so and the idea of um the idea of the devoted being infiltrated initially we thought that it would be more complex and we could start planting the seeds for future phases by saying the silver had infiltrated the devoted for their own purposes to stop the book, to stop us, um, to have their fingers in more magical things. But then we had a big long discussion. I remember about how I, cause I too, Simon and Johnny know some about the future books, but I am sort of the keeper of, the future books in my head and it felt like to introduce the silver then and to give an example of them kind of having their influence in everything directly in a way kind of softened them a little bit you wanted them to be many tiers and you had to go up a lot of ladders to get to the silver and so that's why comedic solutions became this thing that was a stopgap where, where the idea that, no, 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 you can't get just get to the silver. The silver doesn't come and call the devoted and hang out with them. But mm. they would send someone from Comedic Solutions to do that. The devoted are like, they were like a setup to determine whether they are worthy to be a, approached by the silver to say, okay, we saw what you did there. And now you can come and talk exactly. to us, maybe. Right, to see if there was anyone worth their either partnering with or more than likely uh, consuming, yeah. which they ended up doing with Sa Sasha. 
Um, other things. Marty mentioned the devoted had roped others into their schemes in the past. Will we ever learn more about those people? Sure. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I had, uh, I, I, um, yeah. I will I'd, now. Yeah. <laughs> Look out for some short stories about the other devoted this winter from Ackerley Green Publishing. I think I may have asked this in a previous, th previous thread, but I'd love to hear more about Brandon and his adventures post escaping the forest. No, <laughs> no, not going to. Not Any today, anyway. Tell us about his development as a character as well. Uh, as a care, I it was an amalgam, I think, of Simon and Johnny and me as kids, like little geeky boys who probably didn't fit in completely because of the weird little interests we had. And I think it was all these stories we had shared with each other became this 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 little boy. Uh, as for the future of what happened to him after no i'm not going to tell you that but that, i think hey what it was say, wasn't it because there was um johnny did were you talking about what, what books he was reading was that that conversation and you someone i can't remember who it was whether it was you or cj you were saying that he had a brief history of time in in his in his that was a, big was a whole conversation about would he read this and we would, then we started talking about what well what books were we reading when we were 12 and i was reading things like Frank Herbert's Dune, which is a pretty dense yeah. book. You know, Lord of the Rings, I'd already read that by then. So, yeah, I think he would be reading um, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I think, too, he was a mirror of us, but he also was sort of our dream oh, yeah. us. He was smartest. He, oh, yeah, he was <laughs> the was, cleverest. Was lots, of, lots, of, lots of knowledge. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I think too we it was sort of our fan, our nostalgia and also our fantasy about you know how clever you could be and be the hero of your story and um, I'm not going to say anything more about what happened to Brandon because I think we may explore that later definitely yeah, maybe um, even if we don't don't think there's portent <laughs> to that I could be hinting or I could just be like I, I'm not getting into that right now. Um, so let's see. Oh, Leah, you may have already answered this, but at some point, did did you have a contingency plan if Hermes didn't show up when he did? Because if I remember correctly, he joined just before we figured out the Traveler's Disc was at the Cloisters. That was really fortuitous timing. <laughs> we really didn't have anyone else to send in except Cole. Was that the original plan to send Cole to meet with Reader? I think that was always the like the switch, the like emergency switch yeah. that Cole would do that. But it felt, I, I was really concerned. I think we all were that it felt like we were railroading them into sort of a cut scene. Anytime Cole went to do something, it was like, oh, we're safe because this is a character and this is CJ and this is part of the story and we get to play again when it's over. <laughs> um, but uh, actually Hermes and Seacon joined for it was fortuitous in that they got involved prior to that. And I think we built out the cloisters mission because we knew we had someone in pocket. Yeah. Um, and once I basically made them sign their lives away, <laughs> promising they would be available that day. <laughs> and here's the thing. I think Hermes had sort of like back to back events that day. I think there was, was like a bar mitzvah, yeah, yeah, a bar mitzvah he had to it. go to. And we only had this little window of time. And so that was another stressful part of that. And I didn't go to this. I wasn't there because it's actually easier for me to be online, watching the forum, watching the video, having a reliable internet connection than it is to go be there in person when I would just be like 
sweating in the corner and not being able to do anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so those were all the questions for um, for the first half of Fragment 4. Um, wonderful conversation, guys. I literally, my throat hurts from talking about this. <laughs> my whole body hurts. <laughs> um, so I'll see you, uh, I'll see you. Oh, and if you want to get access to these episodes early, contribute to Ackerley Green's Patreon account. If you go to patreon.com slash Ackerley Green, that's A-C-K-E-R-L-Y Green, you have um, the opportunity to hear blog posts from Ackerley Green's assistant to um, have access to uh, C my, I was going to say CJ, this guy CJ's publisher's diary. You can also get the podcast almost a week ahead of time. Um, so go check that out. There's a lot of other things, merchandise, blah, 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 blah. Um, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.